0: Rights are are a basic thing.
1: Rights are something that I don't know about much.
0: (laughs) Everybody has rights. Rights are what a child is entitled to.
1: What you're entitled to.
0: Rights are your right to speak for yourself.
2: I fight for what is right.
0: Rights are the right to be
3: yourself. Hi, I'm Miranda Moya from New South Wales Department of Family and Community Services. Welcome to More Than Just a Kid in Care, a podcast by Youth Consult for Change. This podcast aims to overcome stigma and explore what it's really like to grow up in out-of-home care. Today, we're talking about rights. This is the final episode in a series that has explored connection, identity, belonging, participation and rights.
2: Trigger warning. This podcast will include open and honest discussions among young people in foster care. Some of our conversations will include topics that can be emotionally challenging to hear, such as mental health, past trauma, and the stigma of being in care. While we won't be showing graphic details, please take
4: care of yourself when listening.
3: What rights do young people have? The universal rights to safety, to happiness, to an education. The idea of fairness, freedom, equality, a sense of feeling heard, and importance – These are rights that are seemingly inherent for all children. But what about children living in out of home care? What are their rights? And how old is old enough when a child should first be told about their rights? These are some of the ideas our ambassadors talked about at one of our regular meetups.
4: So, I think an interesting one that we came up with about this was that some people might respond by actually having a skewed perception about what they deserve um, and what life is meant to be like. Some people might respond with resistance and feel oppressed and so they will try to rebel against whatever is oppressing them and that can look like something as small as deliberately not closing cupboard doors because it pisses off the oppressor or going and stealing a car and crashing it. But we also touched on the fact that that idea of resisting is a way of gaining control. So it's like if your rights aren't being respected you don't have control of that so you'll gain control of whatever you can in your life so you'll go and be reckless and destroy things, mm-hmm. be destructive towards your own life. So, Jane, when
3: you talked earlier about that skewed perception, were you referring to the fact that they they might actually not realise that there are rights that they haven't received that are actually deserving of? Yeah, or 100%. Like yeah.
4: So they begin to believe that they don't deserve those rights because they haven't received them in the
5: first place so they should be reminded as they get older but we said basically said that as soon as they're able to comprehend information that they should be told or given the right information so they know
1: I feel like you should know your rights as young as possible from get-go really yep. you know shouldn't leave it too long
5: Yeah.
3: Is there a particular type of thing that you have observed carers may uh, regularly kind of violate your rights around? Privacy? Yeah, privacy. that's yeah. a
1: big one. I had a carer once and it was always not allowed to have a closed door, mm. but like it was a household for kids and there was no bathroom door because she's like, oh no, 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 because you don't know what could happen in there. So that was a major one. Mm. Another one I guess is a right, so like, you know, with a carer allowance per se, mm. carers like to think that you don't have a right to buy whatever you want with it, which is yeah, true, but one. you do have a right to get what you want. With it. Obviously, it's meant there to care for you, and if mm. that goes towards bills or stuff like that, then so be it, but the whole thing doesn't go towards it. It's meant to go towards clothes and stuff like that, and a lot of carers mm. I've been with have not being very good at that, because mm. they think, oh no, 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 this is for me, this is for, to look mm. after you. Yeah. And all cares carers understand that you have a right to mm. ask for things like, mm. you know, oh, I need new school shorts or need new school shoes, mm. stuff like that.
3: Mm. So you have a right to clothes. Yeah. yeah. And new ones, yeah, new ones, not old, dirty clothes. You have a right to look yep.
1: respectable. Mm. Mm. Yep. Yep. We're gonna
5: shift our focus now. Thank you, no team. Thank You're welcome, you. happy <laughs> to help.
3: that was recorded live at a recent Youth Consult for Change session exploring rights. I have Samantha, Brandon and Aaliyah from the group to talk a bit more about their experiences of rights. When a child or young person has had their rights upheld, um, what does
2: that feel like? It's very satisfying. You don't have to worry about anything really because you won't have a worry because everything that you're... Is your right. It's not, it's, and again, it's not a question. Like, it's something that you should just have. It's given to you. It's not, you, you, you're satisfied, you're content.
1: I guess when rights have been upheld or met, I guess it gives you a sense of belonging or like they actually care about you because, like, they're making sure your rights are enforced and put into play so then it makes you feel good because it makes it seem as if they actually care like they're making sure that you have your rights met and that your rights are being used in the correct way that they should be used.
5: Alio, is there anything that you wanted to add? Um, I guess just the importance of feeling like they are important and feeling like they are cared about.
2: Just something to add real quick and I know it's just it's it's basic what Care you would give to an animal is the same care you should give to a child. Like animals have rights, especially freedom, the freedom from thirst and hunger, the freedom from distress, the freedom from illness and injury, the freedom to express natural behaviors and the freedom um, from fear. like why why should they be afraid? Why should they be hungry? Why should they be thirsty? Why shouldn't they be allowed to express who they are as a person? If a young person's uh, rights have not been respected, what might they do? Act out, especially, and rebel, and um, they might feel not worthy because their rights aren't respected. Why should they respect other people? Why should they respect themselves?
1: Defiance, a lot of like, um, okay, you won't listen to me, I won't listen to you. Like, I guess it's a lot of mirroring, like, kids do what they see. So if they see that their rights aren't being met, they're like, oh, hey, like, you're not doing what you need to do for me, I'm not going to do what I need to do for you. That could mean anything from not going to school to just, you know, not doing something for the care that they've simply asked. So, yeah.
3: What do you think it might mean for uh, a young person's sense of self if they haven't had their rights respected?
5: I guess it's definitely damaging to the person's self-esteem even like they aren't worthy of having their rights heard or their rights even being violated You'd feel crap about yourselves.
2: For me, if my rights weren't um, respected, I'd feel jealous of the people's who had right their rights respected. Why am I any different? Why should I be treated differently? Why is it okay that their feelings are put above my feelings? Like, what have been uh,
3: some of your experiences
2: of having your rights upheld or not upheld? We haven't had many rights upheld. If not, like a lot more, not have been yeah. given our rights. What sort of rights? Financial aid. The rights to to see family, the rights to have the choice and to have a voice, um, would be the main ones. Bren, I heard you talk earlier about um, the right to privacy as well.
1: Um, so there was a placement I was in quite a while back, uh, quite a few years actually. I Had a carer that well, there was at least maybe six kids um, living there at the time who. Is no longer a carer, of course, anymore. But at the time, wouldn't allow you to close bedroom doors, but also threatened a couple of, a couple of times that you know, as a typical kid, you'd go into your room, just close your door naturally behind you because that's what you'd do as a kid. Usually, be threatened with if you keep closing it, we will like we will remove your door, basically.
3: So that was you felt like that was a violation of your privacy.
1: Yeah, and like, um, not even going to the toilet, like with the door closed, like having, you know, people walk in because they don't know that somebody's in there and stuff like that. But it it was a big issue and considering, you know, the carers didn't have to worry about that because they had their own toilet and bathroom in their um, room. Yeah, I didn't know that that was a violation until, yeah, further on.
3: I, I think about what that must have meant as a child in terms of your sense of dignity. Um, Being able to uh, go to the toilet, which is something quite personal, where people are walking past and seeing
2: you, uh, that must have been hard. A parent wouldn't do that to their own kids and take off all the doors of the bathrooms and that. Why would they do it to kids in out-of-home care? Why is it okay to make these kids feel vulnerable?
1: And I guess you're right to, like, you know, sense of belonging and sense of identity is a big one that was impacted, I guess, because it I guess, in a way, humiliating as well.
2: You're not being treated as an equal. Why is it fair that they have their own bathroom with the door but you don't get yours? Yes, they're an adult and and you're a a young person but doesn't mean that their privacy is more important than yours. And,
3: in fact, like you were saying earlier, Sam... um, Other children wouldn't have to experience that. So what message does that send if your rights are different to other children? There's
2: no trust. There's no... It's it's different. We're being treated differently when all we want to be doing is being treated the same. Moving on to other rights as well, so safety,
3: security, stability and the right to spiritual and cultural connection, the right to information about your life. What, How that, might that be experienced by some children or young people in out-of-home care?
5: Um, <laughs> the experience is different for a lot of kids, but it's not the best experience for everyone. Mm. Trying to access especially culture as well. Mm. For kids that who may be Indigenous but don't live with an Indigenous family and their caseworker isn't supportive. That's a huge violation of their right to their culture, right to access access information about culture. What do you think
3: might be getting in the way for those children to access their right to culture? <sighs>
5: That's a hard one. <laughs> um, it's just I think we're so used to, which is horrible, just pushing it away, like Letitia said before, like whitewashing Whitewashing Indigenous kids, not, which has a, been a long-standing problem mm-hmm. for Indigenous people, but particularly for kids in out-of-home care. So my experience, I've, I lived with my dad for about five or six years, and that was the only time that I had a proper connection to my family. And now I live with a white family, and I don't experience culture at all which is sad because I have a great connection to country and it's just, I guess I'm lucky, but some other kids aren't so lucky. Could you describe what good cultural connection
3: would feel and look like for a a child in out-of-home care who's Aboriginal?
5: Yeah, so it's different for every person because every country is different, so... I'm from a country and my connection is different to people from Gadigal country in Sydney. Mm. So it's a sense of identity, a sense of pride, I guess, a sense of, like, you're able to stand up and say, I'm Indigenous and be proud of it. Not a lot of kids can do that in care because they don't have access or they don't have the right, yeah, access and tools to say that. For me, I'm not, like, as involved in cultural practices because it's not so common these days. There's not a lot of, you know, ochres and ceremonies and there's not a lot of stuff like that from where I'm from because of the whitewashing Mm. of our history, Mm. which is just another issue in itself. Mm. Yeah, it's been difficult Mm. because I'm not just from Wiradjuri country, I'm also from other Mm. parts of other countries so it's really it's really difficult to pinpoint specific cultural practices but yeah I've had to find that information for myself I haven't been given it from my caseworkers or like or they've haven't like allowed me to access elders or anything like that and that's also ties into the whitewashing of history again that it all ties back to that because so so much whitewashing has happened. It's just a lot of it has been wiped. Yeah. Our resident
3: researchers, Sophie and Charlene, wanted to hear directly from FACS leaders about rights for children in foster care. Let's hear what they had to say.
5: OK, when you're ready.
3: I'm Kristen Hackett
0: and I'm the manager client services for Blue Mountains and Lithgow. Um, so whose responsibility do you think it is to teach kids and young people about their right? I think community. All of us.
6: All of us as in? Oh, and caseworkers, managers, manager-client services, and obviously our community partners as well. And foster carers, everyone. So while a child's
0: in care, how do you let them know about their rights while in care? Say if I'm in a foster home and um, maybe I don't like it, or maybe I want to move into independent living, How do you let a child know what their rights
6: are? So within my office, so I um, ensure, and it's absolutely mandatory, and I talk to all my workers about this, that rights is not something that you just talk about once a year with your kids. This is an ongoing narrative. that I don't, Every time you're out there talking to them, it comes up on the agenda. So they know very much that they can talk to you at any time. And also talking to our kids in foster care away from their placement, okay, so away from their home. So they have that opportunity to speak openly.
0: And for a young child that may be listening to our podcast maybe they're like very young maybe seven eight nine how would you explain to them just their basic rights while in care
6: it's very simple we sit down and we say you have a right to be heard that you have a right to see your siblings that you have a right to feel safe you have a right to be cared for and you and you know that you're important and we go through the charter of rights but obviously for me we have the you can do different activities but it's very simple and that ongoing message to them that they are worthy. Um, they have a right to be happy, to go to school. This is not survival for them. They have a right to absolutely grow, um, be leaders. I'm Belinda Edwards, Director of Psychological and Specialist Services.
0: So um, whose responsibility do you think it is to teach young people and um, kids about their rights, and how do you make sure that they participate in knowing what their
6: rights yeah. are and okay. in
0: carrying out their rights? Yeah, before? OK.
6: Well, I definitely think it's caseworkers. I also think it's their carers, whether they're whatever placement they're in or it's their responsibility as well. And I think we should make it as easy as possible for children um, and young people, whether that's through um, social media or through texting. You, you know, I don't, the sitting down at a case conference meeting is probably not an ideal situation for any young person to talk about what they want to achieve. So we should utilise any method we can And take the time to sit down and really get to know the young person, um, whether you're a caseworker, um, but as a carer as well, like I see that as your responsibility to really help them express what they want and what they need. Well, that's great.
3: And thank you for sitting down and talking to us. You're very welcome. Back to our panel of youth ambassadors, who, unlike most people their age, already have a really deep understanding of their rights. And one of the biggest rights Brandon, Aaliyah and Samantha were keenly aware of was a right to safety. I guess
1: the difference is, um, for somebody being in care, safety is a very big thing. It's not only physically safe, but, like, it sounds weird, but mentally safe as well. Kids that are with a normal family have it easier because they can go to their parents and talk. Whereas being in care, you have a carer who, yes, you may love and may trust may not have that parental bond that you would with real parents so you may not speak to them as much so your mental health may not be as strong and safe as it would be with a normal family another big thing as well for safety is having that feeling that you're safe in your house so with myself growing up I didn't have a male carer until I was 15 so it was a very unusual experience and it was all being females previously see so I never felt threatened whereas when I was 15 I remember having an argument with my carer and there was a male oh, sorry a female and a male but I'd have an argument with the female and then go to go to my room I'd go to my room and then like two seconds later there'd be a storming male coming in there like, really angry, which scared the hell out of me because I've never experienced an angry male before. I've never had that. It's always been We've had an argument, I've gone to my room, that's it. Whereas this is different and I guess I wasn't safe in that situation. Yeah.
5: My experience, I was in an abusive home for a very long time and it took facts, years, to get me removed from that situation even though I had, like, said, you know, like oh like I need to get out of here like sorry that happened to you I've yeah. learnt I've <laughs> like got of experience from that and now like I know my rights and so after I moved from that placement I in my new placement for about one to two years I couldn't be in the same house as the males like it I just couldn't do it like and I my carer would leave and I there would be men in the house and I'd have to walk out like and go sit somewhere like I wouldn't be able to stay in the same house which is not okay for me no it's or not or for any kid because there are a lot of kids that have it way worse We shouldn't have to do that no you like, shouldn't it should have you had a right to safety yeah and the system is getting a little bit better with that sort of stuff but yeah
1: I feel like in some cases, the care, care organisations, not just fax but a lot of NGOs, think that, oh, we've got to get the carer the benefit of the doubt, mainly and solely because of the purpose that they're running out of carers and that they need to keep as many carers as possible. So they sort of think, oh, that can't be true. It might, might have just been something to get out of the placement. I've had that a couple of times where it hasn't been physical, but something has happened, something that's not allowed to happen. I've said that. And yet they've removed me, like the carer still a carer, but then they've said... We don't know if that's true. Like, like it's your word against theirs. And, like, you, we we don't know if you were just saying that to get out. Like, we're not entirely sure, which I think is a load of shit, to be completely blunt and honest, because I feel like the fax system is not here to protect the carers. They're here to protect the kids. I'd never put down my carers intentionally. If they're good, I'll say they're good. Like, if I don't feel safe, I'll say I don't feel safe.
2: I just want to... I feel like it should be... Ir- Said um, and put in that not all carers are like this, and there are still some good ones. Oh, and some carers that there's obviously different relations and being safe and, and the parental connection. But if you're with a carer from when you were little and you're with that one carer, I assume there would be a parental connection. And you know what? If you're with someone for long enough, and then they're not abusive mentally or physically, and they're with you, what makes us any different to other kids? Their parents yell at them for doing something wrong. So our our carers, obviously, yeah. their name is carers. They care about us enough to correct us when they're wrong, when we're we are wrong, and they're wanting us to succeed and do better. But there are still some carers that are obviously there to help and. and and to to take care of you because they care about you like you're their own child whereas others yes there are just in it for the paycheck and you can tell
1: I absolutely agree with Samantha there's heaps of good carers like I'm with a great carer right now she's the best of the best and you don't have to yell at a kid to get your point across as well you can I feel worse if somebody says that they're disappointed in me compared to somebody yelling at me. That hits down, that gets to me, I'm I'm like, wow.
2: Carers are just like parents. They're going to make mistakes and, and get it right eventually. Parenting's not always easy and I assume that even parents make mistakes when it comes to... Yeah. So so my carers. How and when should children and young people in out-of-home care be informed of their
5: rights? I think as soon as children are able to comprehend... Information that they should be informed of what their rights are and keep getting updated as they get older. So it should be a process? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: There's a lot of rights that kids in care have and I think especially age and circumstance and case by case is going to be different and I definitely think from a young age that they need to be educated on different things and as things happen... Because then it becomes real and then we know and then we can know for next time that if we ever feel this way or there's a situation that's arised, we know what we're entitled to and what is our our given right. And if there are any um kids out there
3: listening to this podcast, what would you like them to know about um the importance of their rights?
2: Ask. Don't don't be afraid to ask. Just Although we shouldn't have to, and I get that, but sometimes we just have to. We have to take the stand. We have to take the leap. We have to take the initiative to, to go out there and and get stuff done because at the end of the day, we are going to be adults. We make what we make of ourselves. It's our future that we're going to do. So make the best one that we can. We, we're we going to be independent. We don't always have to rely on other people.
1: Um, I'd say to know that you have right over your carers. So if you ever feel that something that your carer is doing isn't right and you know in yourself that it's not right, well then... More than likely, you, your right isn't being met, and therefore, go speak to your caseworker about it and get your, you know, right met. Like, you know, if you ever feel unsafe, you know, tell your um, caseworker about it because you have a right to safety. If you're feeling that you're losing your sense of culture and sense of identity, tell your caseworker, and you have a right to your culture. You have a right to sense of identity and sense of belonging as well. If you want to hang out with friends and your carer's isn't allowing you, you have a right to do that. So ensure that you speak to your caseworker about that because that you're right and you're allowed to do that.
2: It's a birthright. Yeah. Just because you're out of care doesn't mean you deserve any less. It's it's who you are and what you deserve. Just because you've had a traumatic experience doesn't mean that you're any less than anyone else. You are deserving.
5: Don't feel like you aren't deserving because you are. That's You're a human, you deserve all the love and respect from people. <laughs>
3: yeah. Thank you so much to the three of you um, sharing your experiences and um, deep wisdom with us today. <laughs> thank you. No worries. Thank, thank, you. thank
1: you for having us. It was a great pleasure.
3: During the panel discussion, we touched on the right to culture for Aboriginal children living in out-of-home care. I sat down with Aaliyah to talk a little more about what the right to culture means to her.
5: Yeah. It's knowing who you are and it's really hard for people in care to know who they are because they have lost that and it's really really sad but I think I think self-determination that's a process it's more than just you know supporting I think it's giving them the tools that they need yeah access (laughs) to elders and yeah access to community access to community yeah massive Massive, yeah there's cultural practices they're all different for different country I think um family massive, massive having connection to your family in is massive part of culture I think, and that gets lost a lot of times well, you have a yeah, you have a right to be on your country, this is you know Aboriginal land, and you should stand proud and Like I said before, a lot of, you know, whitewashing has wiped that away for a lot of Indigenous groups. And I think that is, it's just, it's really sad because you want to have this connection. You want to feel, I guess, involved. But being Indigenous is more than the cultural practices as well, which I wanted to say before. Um, NADOC just a celebration it's deep way deeper than that i think people need to understand that as well as caseworkers need to understand that it's more than just going well here's an event you're aboriginal you can go to it and that will fix it it's way deeper than that it's healing
3: what should caseworkers do to better understand aboriginal cultures
5: elders they just, they have so much knowledge. It's hard to have such a deep understanding for Indigenous culture and especially if they're non-Indigenous. It's really, really hard. So I think trying to get the Elders in touch with the young people is so important because stories and, yeah, I think that's really, really important. So um I think also giving or trying to find the information for the young people where their family is from where what country I think that's the most important thing it's definitely a big part of your identity yeah women's business men's business it's all different like you can't just say cultural practices because it's so different even just in Wiradjuri country, there are so many different groups, like Wagon Wagon people, that's where I'm from. There's so many different people and the men's business and women's business is so different. And I think, your yeah, elders are just the best people that, that have that knowledge, the, the best understanding of that because they've lived it. They've heard stories from their elders. I just think the best way for Indigenous young people in care to participate, is to have a connection to their community and know who their elders are because that is so important.
3: Well, that's all for our series, More Than Just a Kid in Care, brought to you by Youth Consult for Change. This podcast did not give them a voice. They already had one. And how lucky are we to have heard it? If you enjoyed this series, share it far and wide with your friends and colleagues. Find more episodes on the U website. That's you.childstory.nsw.gov.au or just Google Child Story, one word. One of our members composed our title track. You can find more of his music at Dat Gringo's Beats on SoundCloud. Thank you to every member of Youth Consult for Change for making this podcast possible, whether it be in front of the mic or behind the scenes. They are the changemakers. Thanks for listening.
2: Do you need help fast? Call Lifeline on... 13, 11, 14, or if you are between 5 and 18 years of age, you can call the helpline for a free confidential telephone counselling, especially for children and young people
4: in out-of-home care. Thank you.
5: Beautiful!